Hello and welcome to Auto Talk. I am Clark Price and with me as always is automotive journalist, author, collector, consultant, fine artist, Wallace Weiss and the force behind the Highlander newspaper of UC Riverside. Uh, fast lane column. He also writes uh, online about Hondas, uh, S2000s, and Audis, and uh, Lexa. Is that right? Yes, it is. I finally got it right. Okay. All right. Let's start with you, Wally. What's been going on in Wally's world? Well, Clark Rock, I'm getting ready to go to the show this weekend at Superformance in Irvine, where a place that sells replicas, hoping that the People that buy replica GT4s and Cobras like uh, historical things to do with their cars. But I never know whether some people buy replica and know nothing about the history of the company. So, so is this a replica show? Is that what this yeah, is? Yeah, the cars that that company makes. But I'm just well, wondering. It's, it or just like a big, a big uh, event to celebrate their products. Right. So right. this is like a Walmart taking everything outside of the uh of the uh, the building and putting it in the parking lot, like look at us, that kind of thing. Yeah, it seems it seems dubious as a show. Uh, if they're well, just you know, loyal promoting their own products, it's basically loyal customers coming back to celebrate the company. Well, what kinds of replicas do they do? GT40s, ah. and Cobras. So, so I heard the best GT40 replica maker was a, that British one. Is uh, uh, used to be like the Saffir was actually called, considered a continuation car. But what's interesting about this company in Irvine is that they supplied 24 of the cars to the movie Ford versus Ferrari with Matt Damon playing Shelby. So I'm real curious if any of the movie cars will show up now that filming is almost done. So how are these replicas made? Are they are from the original jigs uh-huh. and... Um, uh, and uh, they made their own chassis design that's close to the original, but I don't think it's the same. And they're actually made in South Africa. Mm. This, this is a real success story that the guy came here to be a dealer and ended up buying the, the mother company. So when so. we see GT40 smashed up in the uh, in the film the forthcoming film which you are sadly not a part of mm-hmm. um they will be replicas right. not original cars right, right. you wouldn't want to that's good originals well, are worth a million up. okay well so you're going to go there and you're going to expect to see all these replicas and what will this how will this be interesting for you uh because i've talk to people that own replicas of all kinds of cars including Porsches and I always wonder like are they as enthusiastic about the history of the company as uh, the owner of a real one or they're just have they're just they only like what they like and they like how they look in it and that's it you know like uh, are they real zealot is that called zealot or zealot 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 yeah okay well yeah I don't know I will measure the enthusiasm by how much art they buy Okay. All right. Uh, so you have a booth there. Right. Ah, I get it. I get it. Okay. Well, I. My, what are your feelings on uh, replicas, Shirag? Uh, I really like replicas. Um, when I specifically, would you guys consider the the Singer a replica? Because it does utilize an existing 911. I don't think it would be. Uh, I think it's uh, because it uses uh, a, a donor car, an right. original car, and then it uh, kind of re-envisions the car. That's made out of a Porsche. Right. right. Uh, but, I mean, there was the Icon brand here that, that remakes those Broncos. I mm-hmm. like those. Again, those. those were based on donor cars, though. Mm-hmm. Were they really? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's just, it's the it's the singer of Broncos. Well, huh. I think the reason people are buying those kind of cars, uh, what would you call them? Really, they're just refurbished, right? Is because well, the I think they're reimagined the, too. I, I would more go for re reimagined because they're made to a much higher modern standard now, especially with the singers having HID headlights. Uh, and convenience features inside the car as well. It's more reimagined to a mo- modern. Features. I have to say, I like I like the choices that they make, and uh, I've considered how to do that uh, with the Porsche that I'm restoring, and uh, uh, it's difficult. Uh, and so I think they've been very uh, successful with it. The, the, it looks extremely tasteless, <laughs> tasteless, tasteful. I'm right. sorry. Wow. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Not a Freudian slip. Uh, I can't wait till they start uh, moving up the 911 range as well and start you know start redoing that same process with the more modern 911s like the 993. You think they will do that? I think they will. Uh, hmm. That will be interesting uh, to see. And um, but I I I think they have succeeded in in the in the sense that they have created something that's as timeless as the original but just more more modern and uh more interesting so i think the singer is quite a, a success at what they do and i wouldn't be surprised if porsche is paying a lot of a lot of close attention to it as well mm-hmm. well they have their own bespoke division i can't remember what it's called but they're they feel the pressure that why is this guy spending two hundred thousand on an old car when he could buy our new one so they keep trying to say to potential buyers, hey, we'll do anything you want. You, know, right. you want it to match your wife's nail polish, you don't bring in the nail polish bottle. Well, I think it retains, their, what they do, retains the character of the original car and enhances it. And there's a lot of character in an old surviving Porsche. It's been through a lot of years and it, it still has the, it still has that, uh, that as part of the car's story. So I, I think it's, I think what they do is really good, but it's not a replica. Let's get back to the original uh, thing. I, here's how I feel about replicas. I'm glad that they're out there, especially if a, for a beautiful car, because it makes more, it's more beauty in the world and it doesn't subject an original car to being, to being hit. And uh, I have a number of cars that I, don't want to drive because I don't want them to be injured. I don't want the glass to be broken. I don't want the fenders to be smashed. But uh, I would be less uh, upset if uh, the replica got damaged. And also, um, the fact that there are replicas, exact replicas being made, means that there's, assuming the parts are interchangeable, there's more parts for your... For your, that's right. So uh, I, I think it's uh, fine. I don't know about the legalities of how do you license such a car and drive it on the road. Yeah, there's a loophole started way, way back when they first made the Volkswagen dune buggies, and they were allowed to license those even though they didn't have the, the current safety mods required of the stock Volkswagen. And so that they're just all leaping into that, into the... What's it called? There's, there's some phrase for it. Assembled car. At the DMV, there you just fill out a form. And by the way, you can name the car anything you want. Really? So that causes real consternation later when uh, exotic car buyers try and find like a real GT40 or a real Ferrari GTO, and they go to the DMV and 
they used to sell these lists, but the trouble is there's so many people who decided they'd call their car this even though mm -hmm. uh, it isn't that. What right. you're saying is that these are forgeries. There's, there's counterfeit, Essentially so. There are counterfeit cars that are maybe started as a replica, uh, but then it was they were so good that somebody tried to get uh, an extra several million from uh, it by selling it. No, as that a, has happened too, but I just mean that... Uh, Trying to find cars by what they're registered as, mm. as the name, doesn't mean anything. Because if I could go in and call the car the Weiss, and, I see. And even if it started as a Volkswagen, they're saying, "Hey, you pay your fee for well, this." Well, we should get an there. expert on this field and have him on the show. I, I think it's a very uh, interesting, very curious that you could assemble a car that avoided uh, all of the safety requirements and drive it around. So, mm -hmm. if, if that's the case, uh, we should probably find out about it. Um, so let's, uh, uh, Shirag, you, what's up with you? We haven't, uh, you went to the Galpin show. Yes, I did. Uh, let's, Fantastic let's hear about show. that. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed the classic Ferraris and Lamborghinis that were there. They had a beautiful Ferrari Daytona, uh, and a Ferrari F40 surprisingly as well. Um, and some nice Lamborghini Diablos. Uh, I believe there's even a Countach there as well. Yeah, there was a, a, an early Countach at the, uh, Palos Verdes Concours, uh, that, uh, I thought it was pretty impressive looking. Wally, what did you think of that car? Yeah, that that uh, when a car, when an old car that you rarely see restored from the ground up pops up, then you can have new appreciation for it. What so. uh, what's the idea behind the Galpin show? I mean, it's is it, Galpin is a huge dealership, right? For for the viewers who aren't for the listeners who aren't aware, Galpin is uh, the largest volume Ford dealership in the country. Uh, and they occupy about a, a block of dealerships and a customization shop uh, in the San Fernando Valley. And so this show has uh, over a thousand cars in it. Uh, it's mainly meant to just bring the community together. Um, that's the way I see how that they've how that. How Is it? It's a free it. show. Right? It's a free show, mm. and all the cars there are ones that people have entered into the show. And uh, each dealership, you know, them being a, there's being a Volkswagen dealership, a Mazda dealership. The exotic car premier collection dealership the four dealership there's all they have divided each dealership to eras and regions of cars uh one time i was hired by <clears throat> galpin to do a commercial for them and um uh i got to know the dealership and i thought they were really very credible uh, lots of smart people there who worked very hard and uh they said you know in, in lieu of of uh a full payment. What if we, uh, what if we uh, do an alignment on your S two thousand for you? And I thought, well, what should that? I mean, you, can you really do it? And they took me out and showed me their alignment uh, setup, and it was really high end. And uh, so I said, absolutely. And they spent hours doing my alignment, and uh, it came out quite, uh, quite well. So this is a dealership that really knows. Uh, cars and does a really good job, I think. So um, uh, this was a free event, and there were thousands of people there. I thousand, uh, they said a thousand cars as well. Wow, uh, I, I couldn't really quite uh, put a number on how many cars that there were, but there were so many cars. Uh, I even got to see the brand new Jaguar I Pace mm. electric SUV over there in the showroom. Uh, it's a lot, quite a lot smaller than than what I thought it would be. Did it look good? It looked good. It looked a little weird, a little funky in, mm. in shape, but it looked good. It reminded me a little bit of the first generation BMW X6 mm. uh, with its frumpy shape, but it was really small. It really looked like a, a 
subcompact SUV. The most memorable car for you from the Galpin show? The Ferrari F40. Ah, Absolutely okay. stunning. All right. Uh, we have another show coming up, Wally, the Art Center show. Let's uh, Tell us about that. No, what day of the week is it? Saturday or Sunday? Sunday. Well, I'll look it Sun up. Just tell us Sunday about the show. Sunday at the end of October. And that is at a famous college high in the hills of Pasadena above the Rose Bowl that trains about 70% of the world's car designers. And so don't think of this show as a concourse where the judges are going to go around, get points off for like a, a fly on your rear window or something. It's more like a this year the theme is a celebration of the graduates for the last 70 years and what they've achieved. And so there'll be a lot of designers there with an example of the car they designed so like pete brock with the daytona coupe maybe he'll be there just all kinds of people the guy that designed the teslas so uh if you ever want to talk to a car designer and about getting in the business or getting one of your children in the business this is the place to do it it's a car and classic 2018 iconic design 70 years of art center influence sunday october 28th 2018. You can look it up on the internet how to get tickets, but one warning is you won't be able to park up next to campus because there's limited parking there. You have to park at the Rose Bowl parking lot and take a shuttle up, but you best check first on how to get the tickets. It says, behind every beautifully designed car from the 1938 Opel Capitan to the 2018 Tesla Model 3 stands an innovative designer, one most likely educated at Art Center College of Design. And it says, join auto enthusiasts, car collectors, history buffs, and weekend adventurers at Car Classic 2018, celebrating 70, the 70th anniversary of the college, college's transportation design uh, program. Up close and personal with rare automobiles, motorcycles, and stunning concept cars representing seven decades of Art Center influence. I, I think that's a can't miss. Got to go see that one. And you're planning, you're going to go there. Right. Shirag, you're going to see this I would one? love to try to go there. Hmm. Yep. Okay. So we've, oh, <laughs> speaking of shows, the Paris show uh, has uh, been out there, and there's been some significant cars shown there. Here's an article uh, from, what is this in, uh, Wally? What Probably is this Auto from? Week. Okay. So the Paris show, here's Jujaro on his 80th birthday. Uh, showing a, a, a design that he did, and uh, even though he sold his company Atal Design, folded into Volkswagen, yeah. he has another <clears throat> car company design firm. He and his son, and that one is tied in with the Chinese company. And so now he has, I don't know if you say unlimited, but a lot of money to strike out new directions. But I'm a little disappointed at this car. I'm only looking at black and white pictures of it, but. It it's just an doesn't have the grandeur of his 60s cars. I just don't think it's possible to achieve that again because there's so many regulations that define... Yeah, yeah, back then there weren't hardly any bumper regulations. Yeah, and so. I mean, he was uh, he was able to s just strike out and do something completely new and fantastically uh, tasteful and original. Uh, anyway, good for him, though, at age 80, doing, um, uh, doing interesting stuff, if not... Uh, shattering and uh, timeless as he did when he was 19. Um, so they, here in this article, uh, this is from, uh, I guess, I'm not sure, it looks like maybe the Detroit News. Um, so they say this was a hit, the Mercedes-Benz GLE, 
uh, with rival BMW picking design fights with itself, <laughs> Mercedes offers uh, more uh, elegance. elegance with a new U.S.-built GLE midsize crossover. What do you think, Wally? Well, I'm looking at it from about five feet away, but it looks Maybe awful. two and a half. It looks like a Mazda or some subcompact. It doesn't have any grandeur mm. that I see. I, I think it's, it looks very uh, like a, a competent, workmanlike uh, uh, utility vehicle. It doesn't look very impressive from the front end. I would say that the BMW X5, the new one, looks quite a lot better. So we don't agree with that. Here's a, a smart car called the the Four E's, sounding like a Miss. cream. <laughs> they what they say sounding like a cream to soothe hemorrhoids. <laughs> the four, the four E, the four E's is a lumpy, open oh, top. Yeah, to remind everyone that small doesn't always mean cute. So I'm going to predict that this. Uh, I'm going to agree with them that this is a miss and this car actually looks ridiculous. Right. I believe the smart cars are all ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I have to say, I don't feel safe in them. It doesn't really oh, feel I don't either. necessarily smart. Fit. That transmission is absolutely <clears throat> atrocious. Yeah, the, the, the CVT. Um, what do you think, Wally? Well, I like open cars, but uh, long ago I decided the smart was... Uh, completely overpriced compared to like the lowest priced Toyota yeah okay let's let's look at the which they say here is a hit the Porsche 911 Speedster uh, concept only Porsche could get away with showing a special edition 911 less than two months before it's due to unveil its base the base cars replacement in Los Angeles okay a nod that seems ridiculous a nod so. to the uh, Porsche 356 I guess uh, you like this one, do you? Don't you? I like the way it looks. I do. Although yeah. the the article does say something accurate. In about two months, we're going to see a brand new 911, and this is going to be functionally old on the obsolete old chassis. Yeah, I do. I always like fared in seats like this. That, right. that always looks, cool, looks cool to me. Yeah. Uh, Wally, your your thoughts? Yeah, I'm I'm currently a. Uh crazy about the 63 Thunderbird that had the fared in seats, oh, yeah. which means it's that like does a, look great. a body comes up <clears throat> and sweep up right. behind the front seats and gives a real private uh, atmosphere. And yeah. I don't see how that works with the top, though. Well, um, that one, the top goes up and the Thunderbird over it. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So the, uh, the Infinity Project Black S, Infinity said it wasn't going to Paris, but then the word spread that a prototype was lurking around the back of the hall. So based on the Q60 coupe in menacing black, um, uh, matte gray with gloss black and yellow detail. That's kind of a trend. Like even in Hollywood, somebody was telling me about some celebrity had had their Rolls Royce in flat black and with every piece of chrome made black. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, well, I might be driving a $400,000 Rolls, but I don't want you to notice it. Yeah, it, it or, Relatively common. Yeah. So what do you think, Chirag? This looks cool, but it's never going to really see the light of day as far as production goes. I don't really think it's, I, I don't think it looks all that good either. It's just a, a kind of a variation on the uh, Infinity uh, design language. Just uh, here's another one, maybe a little more aggressive. What do you think, Wally? Well, I think it, uh, I think the only interesting part of the story is that they they bring cars to auto shows and hide them. And then depending on what the enemy shows, then they bring it out to get more attention. 
And that happens at a lot of shows. You hear about cars that are supposed to be there that aren't, and vice versa. So there's, the war continues on the battlefield even before the public walks in. So here's the next one. Mer- Miss Mercedes EQC and Audi e-tron. Uh, what are your first go to you, Shirag? What do you think? I of that? disagree with that. I thought both those cars were were pretty neat. Um, I mean, they're their first long range electric cars for each of these companies that that's really going to go into the mainstream market. Both of them have around 200 to 250 miles of range, uh, and they're about to be 60 to 70 thousand dollars in that ballpark. So it's a good competition for Tesla. Uh, I think that this is these are definitely hits. Yeah, I think also the uh, description, their, their justification here is, is rather uh, petty. Uh, we accept the arguments BMW tried, it would, uh, but it didn't work. Why scare customers when switching to EV uh, when uh, it's scary enough? Jaguar has shown the I-Pace I and, and a bit of differentiating, differentiating flair for luxury vehicles can work. We applaud the e-tron's cameras for mirrors. Uh, and uh, let's see, And it, apart from the obscure blue detailing equals EV code, uh, let's see. Oh, at least Mercedes saw sense in not going for a frunk. All right. Also, they don't like the 3 Series. You liked it. I like it. I thought, I thought it looked good, and I thought the performance upgrades that they made in, made in the car and the dynamic upgrades they made in the car are worth it. Hmm. Here's another hit from the Paris show, the Ferrari Monza. Uh, Wally, what do you think? This is another one of those cars, for some reason, they show without a windshield where it looks really sexy. Then later, they suddenly pop up with all the stuff you need for the street. But I think it's just all cliches that I've seen before. There's nothing really radical about the shape. But it's going to be high-priced over a million dollars. So Ferrari is really coming up with one high-priced model after another. $1.85 $1.85 million. It's uh, it's just the money's out there, and so these are means by which it is uh, extracted. Uh, I, I I think it's completely, I mean, you Ferraris are not practical, but this is completely impractical, and uh, I'm sure there will be a market for it. Everybody seems to have liked the, uh, the Peugeot E-Legend concept, and uh, that's not pictured, but uh, you guys remember what it So it looked like a, a 504. Yeah, that's what it, it gave me a, a nice vibe with the, the Peugeots in the 1970s and 80s. Uh, I quite like that. Mm-hmm. I like the retro looks being yeah. brought back for electric cars. And here's another hit, which we won't see in the United States, the Renault KZ. A uh, cute little electric crossover should top the hit parade with a potential 155-mile range and a low starting price. Uh, you know, it kind of reminds me, it's probably a sized around the same size as the Chevy Volt, which has been kind of an inexplicable bomb in the, uh, in the uh, and I mean that in, the, in a bad sense. It's just a failure on the, in the market, and it's got good specs, 250-mile mm-hmm. range. It's pleasant to drive. I just think it's too expensive. That's Bolt? Yeah, that's the problem I think, with I it. I think it's way too expensive. Not worth the money. I mean, it's f- considering that a fully loaded Bolt's running year on 43,000. Yeah, it uh, needs to Tesla be... The Tesla Model 3 long range is 44. It needs to be like 20,000 or less in the really, high teens. Yes. And then I think you'd have a hit on your hands. Um, before the uh, show, we were talking about uh, why don't we have a debate about Pontiac and at first I thought well and <laughs> about, about how dead it's, it is 
Uh, but no, the idea is where would they be if they were if they were alive? So you've got the pro side on this, uh, Shirag. What do you think? I do. I think that they would be a great performance car brand for General Motors to target directly uh, to Dodge, what Dodge is becoming for FCA. Uh, more of a performance, sporty brand. Uh, I think Pontiac could fill that role quite well. Okay. Um, I think they had to discard Pontiac uh, when the... the uh, um, the uh, Wall Street-induced uh, crisis, uh, financial crisis, uh, about 10 years ago. I think they had to, to cut some some uh, marks, and that one had to go. And uh, they did some pretty bad cars, like the uh, the Aztec, which is uh, continues to be kind of a. At first, it was a laughing stock, and then it became a uh, curiosity of having been the featured car of Walter White in uh, in Breaking Bad. But uh, uh, I think Pontiac would, it would be great to have Pontiac if they were making great cars that stood out from the rest of what, uh, everything else that's offered. But you have in GM, <clears throat> you have a performance uh, aspect to the Cadillac lineup. You have uh, some performance happening in the, in, the, in the Buick lineup. Certainly you have performance in the Chevy lineup. How would Pontiac differentiate itself from that is not clear to me. Wally, what do you think? Well, I don't know if you could really have a renaissance in a Pontiac brand unless you could find another guy like John Z. DeLorean, who was the one who thought up bringing the, stealing the GTO name from Ferrari, which never bothered to copyright it. And so the Pontiac GTO sold a million cars. And then the Pontiac Grand Prix, which was kind of elegance, European elegance in American car for those who had never really seen a European car. So the, he was an expert at borrowing from Europe names and images that sold cars in America. And there's GM's almost like an <coughs> anti-personality uh, company. They don't let anybody in the lower down divisional head ranks become a superstar because it's a threat to the people at the top. But you need a superstar like that to make those product decisions. Another thing, you've got, uh, you've got the Corvette C8 coming up, which I'm just saving my pennies to get one of those. I, I think that's going to be... Uh, that's going to be a cool car. I think, it, how could it not be? It's uh, Because I think, for me, I, as a person who didn't like... Corvette for a long time I saw it as kind of staid and not in the styling I didn't really care for even the the current one out right now I'm going hmm every time I see one I go you know that's kind of grown on me I like the looks of that car and driving one uh, a couple months ago uh, a convertible I just thought it was you could just tell immediately that whoever did that car really knew what they were doing so I mean it doesn't seem like like GM is missing that element but I think as a car person we'd like to see what Pontiac might be if they were still alive and if it, if uh, there's there's probably was room somewhere to do something interesting with it but I think at the time it went it had probably did have to go I mean, another problem is they closed all the dealerships so like oh yeah how many dealers want to go to the expense if they insist on having a separate building they can't just add it to their chevy showroom well this is sort of like fantasy football i don't expect it to actually happen but one of the things that might have taken place that might have been really interesting is say if a chinese company had purchased the name mm -hmm. and what could they have done with that 
and uh, uh, would they have done something interesting? It's possible, but uh, we may never know. A um, couple of recalls in the last minute have taken place, and uh, Wally, why don't you tell us about uh, the Subaru recall? Subaru, what was that model called? The Subaru Ascent, the new okay. three-row SUV. Anyhow, it's really shocking to me that a brand new car, even 2019 model year, they recalled, I guess, a couple. 219, yeah, 293 and, of them. And they're crushing them, and that's pretty drastic when you crush the car. That means that it can't, something you can't just fix at the dealership level, something to do with the welding and the B-pillar. But there, why don't they the have car inspectors? Was missing, uh, the car was missing crucial welds, 50, about 50 to 60 of them, I believe. Are they having the inspectors sleeping or eating they sushi said that, on the uh, line or what? They said that there was um, a computer error in the software. Mm -hmm. And those those 293 models are affected, and all consumers are going to get new cars. But I think it is a sober lesson for automaker that if you screw up and send this junk, then it will be crushed. Well, okay. Right. And then the other uh, vehicle. Right. Ford is having a, a recall for 204 GTs after one caught fire in Germany a few months ago. Uh, the recall is, I believe, over hydraulic fluid leaking. Ah, and catching fire on right. a on a manifold or on the right. exhaust. Hmm. A big problem, big problem. All right, so we're about out of time for Wallace Weiss and Chirag DeVade. This is Clark Price. Tune in again next time for more Auto Talk. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.